A couple of people have asked me to talk specifically about the second coming of Jesus and even especially about the rapture. So I want to talk about that a little bit today from Mark chapter 13. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the confidence that we have to know that no matter what we're going through right now, you are in control, that you have the end in your hands, that what really matters is for us to be uh, walking with you every day, every moment as our good shepherd. And I thank you so much that you want to do that. Draw us closer to you today through your word, through Christ I pray, amen. So a lot of people today are focused on, because of the events uh, of our days, you know, kind of what's going on and uh, is the book of Revelation being fulfilled in our time? Um, I think it's helpful to understand that the first generation of Christians were fully convinced that Jesus would return in their time. Whenever you read anything in the New Testament, we need to understand in, as it was originally understood, those who wrote the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they believed there was nothing hindering Jesus from returning before they actually would die. So what I want to do is to spend a little bit of time talking about um, a little bit about what the Bible has to say about end times and the rapture and um, what Mark 13 uh, describes as uh, the tribulation. Now, in Mark 13, um, there are really a couple of questions that they're asking Jesus. First, they're asking Jesus, um, what's he talking about with the destruction of Jerusalem? And when can it happen? What should they expect? Verse 2, Jesus says to them, do you see these great buildings? Jesus now is in front of the temple. And he's saying, not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. Now, they're dumbfounded by this, because if you know anything about the the temple, you know that the stones are massive. They are larger than whales, some of them. The idea that they would be thrown down and the temple could be destroyed is just beyond their ability to conceive At this point, they don't know what to say. And so verse three, while Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives across from the temple, now they've crossed the Kindred Valley there and have gone over. Peter, James, and John and Andrew ask him privately, tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? Notice there are two questions, but they both focus on Jesus' original statement about the destruction of the temple. When will the temple be destroyed? And what are the signs that we need to see, to appreciate, to to be ready for the temple to be destroyed? Now, what Jesus tells them about what he's predicting here will be fulfilled in uh, AD 70, when Titus and the Roman armies will first Uh, have a siege of Jerusalem and then raise Jerusalem to the ground. Verse five, Jesus tells them, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will deceive many. 
when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't be alarmed. These things must take place. But it is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. You know, sometimes people see famines in the world today or they see wars all around us and they immediately jump to the conclusion, oh, this must be the sign of the end. Jesus is talking about the destruction of Jerusalem and he's saying, actually, when you see these things, don't be alarmed. Again, there are a lot of Christians today that misread what Jesus says, and they get alarmed. Jesus, don't be alarmed. It's the beginnings. It's not the end. Um, he, he isn't, he certainly isn't talking about the second coming yet. He's talking about being ready for the destruction of Jerusalem. Um, uh, and first century Christians understood that, the, that Jesus was talking about this as well. In fact, um, they, they, they recognized Jesus' warnings in, math, in, in, in Mark 13 clearly enough that according to Josephus, the first century Jewish historian who was alive at the time and witnessed these things, said that uh, Christians were able to actually flee Jerusalem um, in time, recognized the signs that Jesus told them to look for so that no Christians actually perished uh, when Jerusalem was raised by Titus's armies. Verse 14, Jesus, when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it should not be, let the reader understand, then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. Um, that would have a historic precedent in um, about 167 uh, BC with uh, something that happened then, but basically the abomination that causes desolation. Basically, somebody's going to come in the temple and start making um, uh, sacrifices in the temple that would be uh, sacrilegious, in other words. When you see that happening, he says, then those in Jerusalem and Judea must flee to the mountains. A man on his housetop must come, not come down or go in and get anything out of his house. A man in the field must not go back and get his coat. Woe to pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days. Um, in other words, Jesus was saying, when you see these things beginning, that's when you go. When you see the Romans coming and, and, and starting to do sacrilege in the temple, don't wait a second. That attack is real. Don't wonder, hey, I wonder how serious this is going to be. He's saying, that's the indication. Get out of there. Don't look back. Now, it's tempting to read into the text. But again, the first century Christians understood exactly what Jesus was talking about. And so when the signs of the Romans were, came, they fled because they understood. Um, Mark 13, 24 is what trips up many people. It says, but in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not shed its light. Now this is difficult language. What is the tribulation or that tribulation? You know, what's the whole deal with the whole solar system being darkened? 
um, again, context, context, context. One of the, uh, the, I was motivated as a result of this conversation to do uh, a devotion on uh, how to read the Bible to understand it. But the context of that tribulation uh, is the destruction of Jerusalem. After that tribulation, the tribulation is the destruction of the temple. I think it's really difficult for us to understand how emotionally unsettling it was for the people who'd grown up as the nation of Israel to watch as the, as, as, as the city of their God, Jerusalem, as the temple of their God, the temple, is completely destroyed as it goes up in flames. You know, um, even today, people are so caught up with the importance of the temple, they believe that, you know, they'll, they'll say, well, before Jesus returns, the temple has to be rebuilt. Um, now, we know that's not the case because Jesus fulfilled temple worship when he was sacrificed on the cross. He was the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. All of the temple worship was preparation for Jesus. We don't need to revert back to the temple being rebuilt again and the sacrifices being made again. Um, so, so that's done. But there are some people that are so wrapped up in that temple, even today, that they believe, oh, the temple has to be rebuilt before Jesus can return. Even though when he died and rose, temple worship was completely fulfilled. Acts and Romans and Galatians are three books that get really clear about how difficult this transition was for the Jewish people to give up their historic Jewish worship, temple worship, sacrifice worship, um, to make the transition uh, to following to salvation by grace and worship through Jesus alone. See, the bottom line is that temple, that tribulation that Jesus is talking about is this period of, of uh, the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. It's not some future period to come. That theology was essentially um, made popular in the 19th century by a man named John Nelson Darby. Uh, and it, his teaching grew more popular in the 20th century. In fact, um, the word rapture isn't found in the Bible. Um, it was kind of made popular by Darby and then by the Schofield Bible that embraced his uh, system of theology. Now, that, that approach actually is fading. That, that um, you know, approach to eschatology is fading these days. But that's kind of where that grew out of. So what's Jesus saying in Matthew in Mark 13? Again, his primary focus is the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. He's saying, this is the first end of the age coming. It's the end of the Old Testament age, the destruction of Jerusalem, the end of uh, Old Testament worship. That will turn the, to the, the Christian world upside down. Then he pivots his eyes to the Christian age in parallel 
then he uses this apocalyptic language to describe the end of the next age, then the Christian age, verse 24, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not shed its light, the stars will be falling from the sky and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the son of man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And he will send out his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the end of the earth to the ends of heaven. Now, how do you describe things that words can't describe? That's what apocryphal language does for us. I will freely admit that there's a lot of confusion and a lot of opinions being thrown around about what all of this stuff means. The sad thing is it can lead us to miss Jesus' biggest point. Jesus' biggest point is not to start getting the heebie-jeebies. His point is not for us to start uh, trying to put dates on a calendar to say, oh, I think he's going to, I think this indicates he's going to return at this time. He's going to return just this generation. Jesus' point is that every generation needs to be ready all the time. That's the point. That we need not fear, but we need to be ready. So, if you want to be an end times expert, this is what you need to understand Jesus to say, in my opinion. First of all, don't be alarmed. Verse 7. When you hear of wars and rumor of wars, he says, don't be alarmed. These things must take place, yet, uh, but it is not yet the end. So when things go from bad to worse, as they will, and the world feels like it's shaking apart, don't overreact, don't panic, don't be henny penny, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Jesus said, this is going to happen. It's going to go from bad to worse. Don't be alarmed. God's in control. Second, be on guard. Verse 9, he says, so you be on guard. They will hand you over to local courts and you will be flogged in synagogues and you will stand before governors and kings because of me as a witness to them. That literally happened to the disciples that Jesus is telling this to. This happened, happens every day around the world today. So be on guard. You ever get punched and you're not ready for it? It's kind of like, oh, but you ever brace before the punch? It's like, eh, it's not that, not, not that big of a deal necessarily at least when I was younger. If you expect it daily, if, if you expect opposition daily, you're on guard. You're not going to be thrown off by difficult things that are happening. So keep praying. Keep ready. Keep expecting spiritual warfare. Be on guard. Keep your eyes open. Keep your head up. Next, don't be anxious. Verse 11. So when they arrest you and hand you over, don't worry beforehand about what you will say. Um, but, uh, but say whatever is given to you at the time, for it isn't you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Now that general promise to all of us is God will provide. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. God may not give us the specific words that we need in the same way that he provides the apostles, but we can be confident that as we go forward in his in obedience to him, he will provide. So we don't have to be anxious about anything. This is what the Lord says. Jeremiah 17, 5 says, Cursed is the person who trusts in mankind. He makes human flesh his strength and his heart turns from God. Cursed is the person who trusts in the arm of the flesh, but blessed is the person who trusts God. That's what he's saying. Don't be anxious. Trust me. Fourth, be alert. Endure till the end. Verse 33, watch, be alert, for you don't know when the time is coming. Read the book of Generation, of Revelation. The message of the book of Revelation is we win. 
There's hope for the suffering. John, you were suffering on the island of Patmos. Don't lose hope. Because no matter how things look at the moment, no matter how things feel at the moment, God wins. You win if you're on God's side. It's so easy to stay focused on the race and at the beginning of the race. It's so easy to stay focused on the race at the end of the race and the finish line is in sight. But in the middle, when, you, when, the, end, when the beginning is a long uh, way away and the end seems a long time coming, it's easy to lose focus. In the middle of the race, keep focused, endure. Be faithful to the point of death. Um, the Bible tells us in Revelation 10, uh, 2, 10, and you, I will give you the crown of life. Isn't that the point of everything that the Bible teaches about end, end times? Don't get wrapped up in the, trying to find esoteric insights that everybody else can't understand. You know, oh, I'm gonna, this is all this mysterious stuff. Um, it's not mysterious stuff. God is clear to us. Be ready, be alert, be victorious, endure to the end, and you'll receive the crown of life. The final thing I would say is, but help others too, because there are people right now who aren't ready. And the most important thing we can do is to help them. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the confidence that we can have that you might come back even today in that our salvation is not because of our goodness, but because you love us and you've forgiven us through Christ Jesus. Lord, help us to be faithful today, to be ready today, to keep our eyes on the, on the eastern sky today, hoping, waiting for your return. Help us to treat other people like you could return today. Help us to see other people like you could return today. Help us to sacrifice and to, to, uh, to be generous with others as though you could return today. Help us to have peace as though you could return today. Lord, we thank you that our lives are in your hand. And so we pray, Lord, come quickly. Through Christ we pray, amen. Hope you found that encouraging. If you have any questions, uh, please feel free to ask. Um, I shared this today as a result of somebody asking, and so be glad to have anybody ask uh, uh, for requests of things to, to share in the future. Till then.